Welcome to Poetry Filter. In this episode, I bring to you this book written by Franklin D. Lewis on Rumi. It's called Rumi Past and Present, East and West, The Life, Teachings and Poetry of Jalaluddin Rumi. This book is by Penguin India. I picked it up from uh, Jaipur Literature Festival and it has a beautiful foreword by Julie Scott Misami from Oxford University. Let's begin. Speech that rises from the soul, wails the soul. Speech that rises from the soul, wails the soul. In this opening line of one of his guzzles, Rumi voices the paradox which lies at the heart of his poetry. The inability of words, of language, to convey reality. Words interpose themselves between the soul and reality like the wave that conceals the beloved's face from the long-suffering lover or in another image from the same poem, like the shell which conceals the pith of meaning. Split the shell so that you may arrive at meaning's pith, counsels the poet. Cleave through the flotsam and jetsam that floats along with the foam on the surface of the sea to arrive at the purity of the sea's depths. For Rumi, all of creation is a veil between the questing human being and the truth. This transient world is a sign of the miracle of truth. But the same sign is a veil which hides the eternal verities. What are we to make of a poet who, while confessing to the importance of language and while constantly reiterating his reluctance to write poetry, is among the most prolific of the Persian poets, producing thousands of lyric guzzles, tens of thousands of narrative didactic Masnavi verses. The long history of discussion and scholarship on the poet, both Eastern and Western, has created many Rumis. Lost in the whirling of the dance, hagiographers like Aflaki, for example, have told of his miraculous acts. More sober writers have endeavoured to make of the ideas expressed in his poem a theosophic system. Who was Rumi? What was Rumi? Frank Lewis' study tries to reconstruct both the man and the poet and does both, I think highly successfully. Rumi was, first of all, an exile from his native land of Khorasan, he had travelled much in search of learning and in search of teachers. At one point he encountered the mysterious figure of Shams-e-Tabrizi, 
Louis, to his great credit, does much to entangle the mystery and the myths that surround Rumi's relationship with this, his greatest teacher, and the name that, instead of Rumi's own, as might have been expected, informs the closing lines of many of his ghazals. Although existence is but a fragment of Shams A, the breezy, it is a fragment which weighs the soul from its source. Shams the breezy, you are the sun behind the cloud of words. When your sun shows its face, the words become effaced. Rumi was a teacher with many disciples. He succeeded his father, Bahawalad, as a head of what later became the Mevlevi order and founded its ritual turning dance, for which many of his ghazals were composed. He was no ascetic, renouncing the world and its trapping to devote himself to pious observance in some remote and quiet corner. On the contrary, he was a frequent frequenter of courts of princes and high officials to whom he offered spiritual advice. Moreover, as Aflaki tells it, on discovering he had been replaced as one prince's spiritual advisor, Rumi went off in a huff and predicted a dire fate for the prince in question, which predictably happened. Although the account is, it seems, totally anachronistic. In short, Rumi was many things, as we might expect from a real person, rather than from a hagiographer, saint come, saint come hero, or from more recent constructions of Rumi the mystic, Rumi the poet, and so on. He was, for one thing, a highly learned man, whose poetry, even the lyric guzzles is not the rapturous outpourings of the ecstatic mystic, but can be highly complex. Thus it is that when sinking of the drunken camels who have been so entranced by the voice of the camel driver that they have begun dancing, he relies on his audience to make the connection between these camels of God, the whirling mystics, with the miraculous camel scent, and that, so says the Quran, to the Arabian prophet Saleh, and which was hamstrung by Saleh's people, who could not or refused to recognize the divine sign of his prophetic mission. Even so, we may interpret, do many people to recognize the divine nature of the mystic's calling? It is this complex and many-sided figure that Lewis attempts successfully, in my view, to reconstruct in the present book. He appears to have read everything in every relevant language both by and about Rumi and much related material besides, for example, the Makalat of Shamsi Tabrizi himself, which gives at least verbal shape and form to this otherwise shadowy personage. He disentangles and debunks myths 
misreadings and misinterpretations or misrepresentations not least he gives due voice to rumi the poet for this is what remains to us for most of us who will not dig and delve into rumi's correspondence or shams makalat or other of the conflicting and contradictory source material that vast outpouring of poetry which despite rumi's own insistence on the importance of language shows his own constant engagement with it his own attempt if not to express at least to point to the ineffable to what lies as he so often puts it on that side the side which puts words into the mouth of the reed which sings its tales of separation from its source in the opening section of the masnavi at a time when rumi has become a growth industry especially in the united states a phenomenon which louis julie takes on board readers may like to check out the rumi and rumi related websites cds videos and so on this book is especially welcome it will without doubt become an indispensable source both for students of rumi and for scholars wishing to do further research on the poet for though words may be a veil they are also signs that can point us in the right direction julie scott misami university of oxford poetry filter rumi by franklin d lewis